0: Hey, we got a white rose up on the platform, which announces uh, uh, somebody from our church family who influenced somebody else to come to know the Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and that happened at a home um, at the Sands house. One of their kids came to faith this last week, and so we want to celebrate with them—a mom leading her daughter to life in Christ. So let's praise God for how these roses represent new life in Christ. Well, we are in our series called The Jesus I Want You to Know, and even though I know it's Advent, and oftentimes we'll have an Advent series that, that we'll be focusing on, you know, I want to get through this book of, of Mark. It's it's fantastic. There's things I can't wait to share with you through it, and so we're just plowing ahead during this Advent season. We'll save a, a time for a, a Christmas uh, message, but today we're going to be looking at the eighth chapter of the book of Mark as I said the series name is the Jesus I want you to know and I named it that way because that really was the heart of Mark because he wanted us to get to know the real Jesus he understood that if we don't have the right understanding of Jesus we're gonna miss out on the power that Jesus can bring to our lives and so he knew that we he lived in a world and we live in a world where people make all kinds of assumptions about Jesus they create Jesus in their own imagination they create Jesus to their own liking that is not the Jesus of the Bible And unless we know that Jesus is the Bible, we're not going to experience the power of Jesus to change our lives. And so that's why this story, and that's why this series is such an important uh, uh, study for us to be in. Well, today we're going to look at how Jesus used his healing powers to give sight to a blind man. Now. You know, the fact of the matter is, there's five times in the Bible that we see Jesus miraculously heal a blind person. I'm sure there's a lot more than that, that he did. But five of them make it into the scriptures. The one that we're looking at today is a story that's only found in Mark's gospel. So none of the other gospel writers included the story. But it's a unique story. It's important for us to see what Jesus had to say to us in this. Because this is the only one where Jesus had to touch the man's eyes a second time... For him to see clearly now let me show you what it says mark chapter 8 verse 22 let me read it for you follow on up on the screen and they came to beseda we know that that is a little town on the north eastern coast of the sea of galilee he came to the town of beseda and some people brought a blind man and begged jesus to touch him and he took the blind man by the hand and he led him outside the village When he had spit in his eye, on the eye of the man, he put his hands on him, and Jesus said, do you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Once again, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, don't go into the town, and don't tell anybody in the town. Now, I hope you see that this is a pretty odd miracle story because there's so many things that are striking here. First of all, Jesus is going to restore the sight of this man, but he's not going to restore the sight of the man in the city or in the village of Bethsaida, but he tells him that you got to get out of the city because that's where we're going to do the miracle. And so he takes him by the hand. He leads him out of the city, out into the streets outside the city. So Jesus is not going to do this miracle in the city limits itself. Now, it's not because of the man what it is. It's because of the, of the city itself. In fact, the blind man is not even from Bethsaida. It says that he, his friends brought him to this village. They realized that Jesus had come to this village. They brought the man to this village. And now they're hoping that Jesus will heal him at the village. And Jesus says, no, we're not going to do it inside the village. Come with me. I'm taking you outside. He does it outside the village. And then he says to the man, I know you want to go tell everybody that you can see, don't go in this village, you go home, because we're not going to show this miracle to anybody living in this city. What's the antagonism of Jesus against this town? Why is Jesus so opposed to them seeing this miracle that's being done? Because what happened about a year earlier is Jesus did some mighty miracles in this town. And the townspeople refused to believe. They rejected Jesus as Messiah. They didn't want anything to do with him. And Jesus closed the door to them being able to see this miracle. And, and now they are, he is done dealing with him. In fact, when he left this city, Jesus said this about this city. Woe to you, BeSeda!" Talking about the city, the members of the city. Woe to you, BeSeda!" If the mighty works were done here, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, these two Gentile cities up to the north, If they had been done there or in in Sodom or Gomorrah, we know what those studies are all about. They would have repented. It is going to be better for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for you. And so what we have is Jesus closing the door to him doing any miracles for this town to see because of their unbelief. That's the first thing that should just stand out to us about this miracle. The second thing that should stand out about this miracle is that Jesus spit in this man's eyes. And, you know, I, you, know, I, you know, I don't know, I mean, why he did it. I, I read a lot of things, a lot of opinions, a lot of suggestions, a lot of speculations. I think the best one was, was one preacher who says, I don't know why he didn't spit in his eye, or he spit in his eye. And I think that's the best thing that we could do. But here's what I do know. If, if I was blind and I was told, you know what, Jesus is going to take you out of town, he's going to spit in your eye, and you're going to be able to see, you know what I would say? Spit away, Lord, spit away as much as you want. Just keep spitting till I can see. I mean, that, I, I, so we don't know, but I mean, he did spit in his eye, and he did get his sight back when he touched him. And so that leads to the third odd thing about this miracle is that he didn't see clearly right away. It took a little bit of time, didn't it? It says he put his, eyes on his, ha- his, his hands on his eyes, and after the first time, Jesus says, what do you see? The man said, I see people. I see people but they looked like trees walking. So he must have had at one time had sight and lost his sight, but they looked like trees walking. Jesus put his hands on him a second time, and this time his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Now, what do you do with that? Well, I, I read one preacher who said that obviously it didn't work the first time, and so Jesus had to do it a second time. Now, not, you know, I'll tell you, that is not obvious. In fact, I don't even believe that. Because why would Jesus have trouble if, the, if Jesus is the one who can calm the sea and calm the wave by just standing up in a boat and say, peace be still, and everything goes smooth, why would he have a trouble here? And if Jesus is the one who could say to a legion of demons in a a demon-possessed man, come out of him, go into some pigs, and they come out of the man and go into the pigs, why why should he have a problem here? And if Jesus is the one who could feed 5,000 men along with their families with just seven loaves of, five loaves I guess, five loaves of bread or biscuits and two fish, and, and he could do that by just asking his father to multiply the, the, the bread, why would he have trouble here? I mean, why is that this man has to be touched a second time for the healing power to work to the point where Jesus wants it to work? That's what we're going to look at today. Why did it take a second touch? I'm going to say this. Because Mark is using this story as a lesson to teach us about spiritual blindness. He's using this story of this blind man. None of the other disciples wrote about it. Remember, the only place it's found is in this gospel. But Mark is using this to tell us something about the power of Jesus to heal blind eyes. See, Mark wants us to see that putting this miracle right here in the story is that sometimes You and I need a second touch from our Lord for us to be able to see clearly what is going on. Sometimes we're the ones who are so spiritually blind that we need a second touch from the Lord to open our eyes to see the reality of what we should see. Think of it like this. When a person is physically blind, they know they're blind, don't they? But when a person is spiritually blind, oftentimes they don't know that they're blind. The Pharisees didn't know they were spiritually blind. Jesus calls them blind guides. They don't receive that from Jesus. They don't think they're spiritually blind. The Sadducees don't realize that they're spiritually blind. Herod doesn't realize how spiritually blind he is. And what we're going to find out today is even the true disciples of Jesus didn't know they were spiritually blind. But because here Jesus is talking about spiritual blindness, see, what we're going to discover is that Mark is going to help us see that there is times when we are spiritually blind that we're not even aware of it. You can be spiritually blind and not know it. Now... It's interesting, I'm looking at this story in in the Gospel, chapter 8, and right before this miracle of the man receiving his full eyesight, Mark tells us a story about Jesus feeding a crowd of 4,000 people. It happens right before this takes place. Jesus has already fed a crowd of 5,000. We saw that happen in Mark chapter 6. And now in Mark chapter 8, we see another story very similar to that other one. But he doesn't feed a crowd of 5,000. Jesus feeds a crowd of 4,000, which has caused some commentators to say that it's really the same event. It's just that one of the disciples added you know, 1,000 to the number where the other didn't do that. So it was probably the same crowd, same place, and it's just a, you know, two different interpretations of that event. That is not accurate at all. These are two different events that Jesus did. We know that because they take place at two different seasons of the year. The first one was done in the spring when the grass was green. The second one was done in the summer when there is no grass left. And so they sat simply on the ground. The other thing that we know is they they took place in two different locations. The feeding of the 5,000 happened in Galilee itself. And so as including people who are part of the household of Israel. But this one here, the feeding of the 4,000, happens outside the region of Israel, outside where the typical Jew would live in the area called Decapolis. Decapolis meaning ten cities, ten Gentile cities that were on the eastern side of the river of Jordan. Which means that Jesus, when he does this miracle of the feeding of the 4,000 is not with Jewish people, he's with Gentile people. He's outside the territory. And if you remember the message that we had from last week, if you happen to be with us, when he was up, Jesus went up to Tyre in, in, in Phoenicia, which is far to the north, and he went up there because he wanted to get away with his disciples by themselves because he understood that if I leave the Jewish region of Galilee, Jews live there, and go up into Phoenicia, all Gentiles, none of these Jewish religious leaders will follow because they see the Gentiles living up in that area as, as, as Dogs. They see him as a wild pack of dogs only fit for the fires of hell. So they won't come and follow us, and so we'll have this time alone. And so Jesus takes his disciples, he leads them up to the, the city of Tyre, and they're up there, and they recognize Jesus. And one of them who recognizes Jesus immediately comes to him. It's a woman, she's called a Syrophoenician woman, which means that she's a Canaanite woman. She's a Greek woman. She's outside the, the Jewish faith. She she's not a part of a Jewish community. And she comes to him and she asked Jesus to cast a demon out of her daughter, and Jesus does. Now, that's the first miracle that we see that happens to the north. There's another miracle that we see that happens right outside the the, the region of Israel, and that is that Jesus, now after that, He he moves down to another place. He meets a man who is deaf and dumb, who can't speak hardly. There's something going on. He heals that person in the area of Decapolis, and he heals that person. And all of a sudden, a huge crowd comes, and they're all interested in hearing what Jesus has to say. They're all interested in listening to what he is teaching, and they're all interested in watching the miracles that he can do. And all of a sudden, you have this huge crowd gather, and they're so intent upon staying with Jesus because they recognize that this man is worth listening to is that they stay not only one day they stay two days and even into the third day three days they don't leave they don't go home they just wait on the words of Jesus for those three days well eventually something has to stop and they're not willing to stop but Jesus says I gotta bring this to an end so he tells his disciples, we've got to send them home, and we're not going to send them, I mean, they have been here so long with nothing to eat, we can't send them home without giving them something to eat, so we're going to feed them, and uh, so, otherwise, if they don't get food, they're going to faint along the way. So let's feed them before we send them away, okay? And the disciples say, what can we do for a huge crowd like this out in the wilderness? We don't have enough bread. Does that strike you as odd in any way? Because I don't know how much time had passed, but it wasn't very much, when just maybe weeks earlier, Jesus had just finished feeding 5,000 men along with their kids and family with only five loaves of small biscuits or five biscuits and two fish. And now they're asking Jesus, Jesus, how are we going to satisfy 4,000 with the food that we have? And Jesus says, well, how much do we have? Well, all we have is seven, seven biscuits. So we have seven, and that's not going to do much of anything. And so what does Jesus say? He says, set them down. I'm going to th- say thanks, and then we'll give them something to eat. And so they sat the people down. Jesus gave thanks, and he gave them... He asked the father to multiply the food or whatever he said to his father in that prayer. And all of a sudden, there's enough food for everybody to get fed again. So not only did it happen for the 5,000, now it happens for the 4,000. And this time when Jesus says at the end of the meal, okay, guys, you go up and you pick up all the extra food. We're not going to let it go to waste. We're going to get the leftovers. And so they go through the crowd. Remember how many baskets were there that they picked up for the 5,000? 12 baskets, but those were little baskets, those are little pouches that the guys would carry for their lunch, and and so at that one they were able to fill their their little pouches again to the full, so they had 12 whole baskets filled up. This time it says that they filled up 7 baskets, but this is not the same baskets. These are a little bit bigger baskets, in fact they're really big baskets. These are, and I don't even know where they got them, but they had them, these are baskets that were used for burial for people. And so, I mean, we're talking about huge baskets, and now they filled all of those up with leftovers after people had eaten all that they wanted. And so we're, we're talking a lot of leftovers at this point. And so what do we have? We have the same miracle. We have the, the, the same way that Jesus meets the need of this crowd by multiplying a small amount into a great portion, so that everybody gets fed, everybody goes away full, and there's leftovers. So what's the difference? Why didn't the disciples think, well, Jesus did it for the 5,000, surely he can do it for the 4,000? Why didn't they see that? Why didn't they think that? See, what's the difference? Well, I'm going to suggest to you it was the difference of the crowd, because the feeding of the 5,000 happened in Galilee among the household of Israel. The feeding that happened in, of the 4,000 happened in the Decapolis region outside the household of Israel to a Gentile community. And you remember, as we gave the sermon last week, some of you weren't here, but you won't remember, but Jesus went up into the city, remember, I said, he went up into the city of Tyre, and up there in Tyre, he meets a a, a Syrophoenician woman, a Canaanite woman, who came to him asking Jesus to cast a demon out of her daughter. When she came to Jesus, the response of the disciples was what? What? Send her away, Jesus. She's bothering us. We came to be with you alone. Why is she interrupting what's going on here? Send her away. After all, Jesus, she, you only came to the lost sheep of the household of Israel. That's what you came for. You didn't come for her. You came for us. So send her away. She has no part to be coming to you right now to get you to pay attention to her. Send her away. You didn't come for her. And Jesus listens to them, but then he listens to the woman for a while, and she begs and begs and begs. Jesus healed my daughter, set her free from the demon. And he listens, and finally he says to her something kind of shocking, surprising. He says to her, we need to feed the children first because it's not proper to take the children's bread and give it to the family pet, the family dog. And when she hears that, she says back to Jesus, but Lord, I know I don't deserve this, but even the family dog that sits under the table is allowed to eat the bread that falls from the table. I don't deserve your mercy and kindness, but I'm hoping I can receive it. And Jesus said that day, according to Matthew, Woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. And he requested, he granted the request, and her daughter was healed that very hour. The miracle took place for this woman who was not of the household of. Israel, and what we're seeing is that Jesus' ministry now is moving out of the area where it's for the household of Israel and it's moving into the area where it's for the people around Jerusalem. Because it's not just for the people of Israel that Jesus came to be the Savior and to be the King, it's for all people that He came to be King over. But before he sends them away, and so now he's in the region of Decapolis, a a boundary, he tells his disciples, you has got to send them home. So he feeds them, he sends them back there, he sends them home, and then he gets in a boat with his disciples, and what do they do? They sail from the cities of Decapolis, they go across the, the, the Sea of Galilee, they come to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, they're back into a Gentile region, and what do they meet when they get off the boat? Pharisees, religious leaders, coming to him and say, Show us a sign that will prove to us that you're the Messiah. And Jesus says to them, you don't get any more signs. That's it. No more signs for you. Okay, I've given you enough signs. You're not believing me. No more signs. He just simply gets back in the boat. They sail away, and they go up to Bethsaida. And that's when they meet this man who's blind. And while they're sailing, though, Jesus says to them, be careful Beware of the leaven of the Pharisee and the leaven of, the, of Herod. Be careful, so be aware, beware of the leaven. They know it has to do with bread because he talks about leaven. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of, the, of Herod. Now, they have no idea what Jesus is talking about. Because what they say to Jesus is, you know what, Jesus, you, know, this must, you must be... You know, upset with us because we didn't bring the bread with. We forgot those seven baskets of bread. That's why he's telling us to be aware of the leaven of, of the of Pharisees. This is their solution. Jesus must be talking and reprimanding us because we didn't keep the bread. We don't have any bread. And Jesus says, listen, guys. Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you see? Do you not see or understand are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see? Do you have ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the 5 loaves for the 5000, and he's talking about Jewish men? How many baskets pieces, basketfuls of pieces did you pick up and they said 12? And when I broke the 7 loaves for the 4000 Gentile men and families, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? 7? And then Jesus says, do you still not understand? And they didn't understand. Why? Because they were spiritually blind. They saw things about Jesus, but they didn't understand everything about Jesus. They saw that he came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel but they didn't see that he came to be king of the world. And that's why I think that Mark includes a miracle account of the mind, of blind man needing a second touch of Jesus in order to see clearly. As a living example of sometimes this is who we are, that we're spiritually blind, and unless we get a second touch from Jesus, we're not going to see things as they actually are. See, the disciples couldn't see, but they didn't understand that they couldn't see. The disciples couldn't see, but they didn't have the understanding that they were blind to what they needed to see. See, that's the thing about spiritual blindness. It keeps us from seeing the glorious things that we shouldn't be able to see, but there's a blindness that comes on us spiritually that keeps us from seeing it. That's what was happening to the disciples in this point. You know, Paul said it like this. In 2 Corinthians, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. In other words, why don't people see the glory of who Jesus is? Here's the reason. Spiritual blindness. And they don't see that they're spiritually blind. I'm going to tell you the truth here today. Some of you are here today are spiritually blind. You don't see sin's universality. You don't see the the identity, the true identity of, of Jesus. The very fact that you haven't surrendered your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ over your life tells me that you're spiritually blind. If you could see him as he is, if you could see Jesus, and you could see him as he is, you would surrender your life before Jesus because you would recognize that he's the one sent from the Father for us to take us to be a a part of his eternal kingdom. But because you can't see Jesus for who he is, you don't receive him as Lord over your life. And because you don't see him Lord over your life, that tells me you're blind, you're spiritually blind. If you could see him for who he is, you would surrender your life to him. If you could see him for who he is, if you could see him as the only way to the Father and the only means for you to stand perfectly before the Father, if you could see that, you would surrender your life to him. But because you can't see that, see, you're not willing to accept the fact that he's the only way to the Father. See, why is that? Because you're blind. You're spiritually blind. See, some of you don't see the lordship of Christ over your life. And you don't see that Jesus is the one who has the right to rule your life. You don't see that one day you're going to stand before him and you're going to give an account of your life to him. And he's going to evaluate the things that you did in this life. And so the urgency on your, on your life should be that I've got to get right with Christ now because one day, I don't know when that day is going to come, but I'm going to stand before him and he's going to evaluate my life by the what I did with his son. God will, what I did with his son Jesus, and, and, and you don't have an urgency to do anything about it because you don't see that there's an urgency. Why? Because you don't see who he is. You don't see clearly. Why? You're spiritually blind. You're blind. You're blind to that truth. Here's the point we need to get, because there, there's a point I think this, this, this story is pushing us to. We don't always see things as clearly as they are. None of us, when it comes to spiritual matters, have 2020 vision. And in those areas of spiritual blindness, what do we need? We need Jesus to come and say, what do you see? This is what I see. That's not enough. Let me retouch your sight so you can see things clearly as they are. See, the problem is, that you and I are men and women who have the ability to think we can see when the reality is if Jesus could touch our eyes, we would see that we weren't seeing all that clearly because we're blind. We're spiritually blind. And for some of us, it might not be the touch to come to know Jesus that we need, but it might be the touch that we need to have Jesus touch us with so that we grow to become more like Jesus. You maybe need to grow in regard to your relationship with other people. I mean, there are times that we, as, as, as Christians, have critical spirits. See? And what do we need? We need Jesus to come and open our eyes to the blindness of the critical spirit that we have. Sometimes we have a bitter heart. And what does a person with a bitter heart need? They, have, they need a second touch from Jesus to show them that there's a bitterness of their heart that they can't allow to remain within them. Sometimes we have a prideful attitude. And it's that prideful attitude that needs a second touch of Jesus so that when we look at our lives, we see that, you know what, there's pride in my life I've got to get rid of. And I know Jesus wants to get rid of it. Jesus, I'm going to look to you to take care of the pride that's in my life. I mean, whatever it is, maybe it's just a a lack of compassion for the people around you. And you just think, you know, I don't need to respond to them. I don't need to do anything with them. And Jesus comes and says, I've got, I got to retouch you because you're spiritually blind to the fact that I've called you to be compassionate to the people around you. And you need a touch from Jesus, a second touch, to retouch your vision so that you can see. See, it's David who said in Psalm, you know, Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Do an evaluation, Lord. Look into me, into my heart, and see if there's anything that's offensive to you there. And then lead me in the right way. You know, the retouch of Jesus is something that every one of us needs from time to time. You know, when the disciples, those two disciples were with, you know, on the road to Emmaus after the crucifixion of our Lord, the resurrection of our Lord had already taken place as well, but they didn't recognize that at all. All they remembered is that here was the Messiah, the man who was called the Messiah. He was crucified. They're walking out of Jerusalem defeated, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up, and they really don't know who he is at first, but then eventually Jesus reveals himself to him because he, he starts expounding on the scriptures, and what it says is this, And he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. What did they receive that day? They received a second touch from Jesus. They saw, but they didn't see clearly. He touched them, and they saw with understanding. Jesus is the one who opens blind eyes minds and eyes and we need to have him do it even today so here's how i'm going to end today i'm going to pray and i'm going to pray that our lord would come and touch our eyes today i don't know if you feel like you have a spiritual blindness at all i'll guarantee the disciples didn't think they did but jesus knew they did and so he came to touch them with spiritual eyesight. And all I wanna do today is just say, let's pray that Jesus would look at our hearts and look into our spirits and see what he needs to do and then say, Lord, you touch me, you open my eyes, and you do a work in my heart so that I can be able to see what you see and do what you want me to do. So let's pray together, just bow in prayer with me. Father, I, I lift up our whole congregation here today before you. And I know every single one of us at our different points, but here's what I know about every single one of us, that we can be blind to what we need to see. And every one of us maybe are at a place right now that we don't even want to look at the reality of something because we don't want to see it. But some of us, we look at the reality and we think we see it correctly, but we don't. But Father, I just ask that you send your son to give us retouches today. touch us with his hand so that our eyes would be open so that we would see and really see that we would hear and really hear that we would understand and that we would really understand what you want to have us know and so father I ask for your spirit to work among us as a body of believers right now and work with each one of us so that we would have eyes that you want us to have break through the blinders Give us the sight that we need and that we know that only your Son can give us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me as we close in song.